thankful for that amazing grace this morning. If you would stand, we'll continue with our song service. Psalms 143.8 says, Cause me to hear thy loving kindness in the morning, for in thee do I trust. Cause me to know the way wherein I should walk, for I lift up my soul unto thee. It's good to be in the Lord's house today. Brother Marsha Show, would you open us in a word of prayer, please? Just join us in singing hymn number 257, look in there. I'm a messenger from the Lord. I'm a messenger from the Lord. I'm a messenger from the Lord. 
Go ahead, stand once again. We'll sing hymn number four, The Way of the Cross Leads Home. Hymn number four. Thank you. You may be seated.
Once again, we'll sing hymn number 121, Like a River Glorious.
love you, Lord. For your mercy never fails me. All my days I've been held in your hands. From the moment that I wake up till I lay my head, I will see of the goodness of
Thompson. What a song, huh? Man. God's been so good. So many ways. I just want to finish faithful. That's part of what this faithfulness is about. I want to finish faithful. He's been so faithful. So much to praise Him for. If you would take your Bibles, turn to Hebrews chapter 2. So, um, at Brother Chuck's ordination, he gave me a gift, and the gift was this Bible. It's a pretty cool Bible. It's got our logo that we developed years ago. Uh, from a song from the cross through the church to the world, it hangs as a medallion out there in the entryway. He had it, I don't know, burned into the leather or something like that, and then they put my name on, name on it. So you, you shouldn't steal the preacher's Bible. It's no, there's only one like it. I, I, everybody kind of know what are you doing with the preacher's Bible, right? I, uh, I was so moved. I mean, it's it's such a cool thing. Uh, to, to have the front of it like that. And now I'm doing that new Bible thing, one page at a time. you got to take them all apart. You know how fun that is? And then all my notes are gone. Um, what was it, a year ago, November, or a year ago, December, my wife and I were in a motel in Wichita, and we stayed down there for a wedding my wife was playing at, and uh, we were close with the family and so forth, and while we were gone to rehearsal, someone broke into the motel, and they stole just about $7,000 worth of stuff, and it was all my stuff. Uh, I had a new CPAP machine, and those things they don't give away, they're like 1200 bucks, and then I had my laptop, and I had my iPad, and a whole bunch of other items. Anyhow, it, it tallied up rather quickly. They just took three bags out of the room, that much money. Um, but the thing that I lost that I valued the most was a Bible that I had carried around the world probably four or five times. Um, it had been in Papua New Guinea twice, I know, because of the notes that it were written in the back by people that I ministered to. When I would go and minister, I'd have them sign my Bible. They always want you to sign their Bible, so I'd sign their Bible, and then I would have them sign mine, and, and uh, it was just a very precious Bible to me. It had been in the Philippines uh, for their 50th anniversary. I had a sticker in the back of it, that, and I miss that thing. Uh, I miss it. It's like a friend, you know? So um, <clears throat> I've got a collection of Bibles that belong to previous preachers. Um, the most precious one that I had was one that belonged to Brother Bush, Brother Carl Bush. I worked with him for nine years, surrendered to ministry, to pastor it uh, under his ministry, and I love Brother Bush. And you remember when he was alive, he came and preached often for us. I just loved him so much. And I had one of his Bibles that I actually got from him when I was on staff. Uh, we would have staff devotions because we had a Christian school, and we'd have staff devotions every day. And he would lead the devotions, and then he'd set his Bible down. 
And so I got to where I would pick his Bible up and I'd put my Bible down and then i just start digging through it. Because I'm telling you, when you get an old preacher's Bible, it's full of all kinds of good stuff. All kinds of good stuff. This Bible belonged to my father-in-law. Uh, he was an excellent note taker. There's a lot of good notes here uh, in this Bible. Uh, this one here belonged to one of my preacher daddies when I was a teenager. We went to Brother Burr's church. And uh, you can tell this Bible's been used, amen? And you can tell inside it's been used. And you can tell he used it like a file cabinet, amen? All kinds of good stuff. We'll get it later. Don't worry about it, Brother Chuck. Uh, this Bible had the ability to have notes. Uh, it's got a steel binding here, and you could take the Bible apart and put notes in between. And so he had actually he's got uh, notebook paper in there with notes on it. And then a good friend of mine, um, Brother Roger Collins, we've been friends for, I don't know, a long time. And his daddy was Brother Art Collins. Brother Art Collins was one of the great preachers in Kansas for years. Just amazing man. Uh, he pastored down in Fort Scott, Kansas. Um, it was a small town ministry, and every day he was on the radio for 30 minutes every day. Now think about that. That's not a light thing. That means that you have to prepare to be on the radio for 30 minutes every day. And he did that for 40 years, I bet, maybe 50. And so I was down doing the ordination and uh, at Brother Rogers Church, I was a part of that. And our friendship, his dad had passed away. And he goes, uh, Brother Metzinger, he goes, I've got several of my dad's Bibles, and I want to give you one. Because uh, I heard that you like old preachers' Bibles. And so he gave me uh, this Bible. Now, amazing thing about Brother Collins, we'd go to a fellowship meeting, where, a meeting where preachers get together and preach at each other. And I like that. I like to have my face tore off and tell me what a rotten, no good sinner I am. I know some of you would like to tell me that too. But they do it with the Word of God so I can receive it better. Please don't tell me face to face. But. And so we'd be at fellowship meetings and for one reason or another, maybe a pastor wouldn't show up. Maybe he was sick or whatever, couldn't show up. And so they'd always turn to Art Collins and they would say, do you have anything that, that you could preach for us? He goes, oh, I, I think I might have something. And I wondered, how is that? You know, I knew he was an extremely smart individual, but I always wondered, how was it? Well, I got this Bible, and I began to dig through it, right? And so um, here in the front, he, said, he put a little yellow pad, and he said uh, that this Bible is equipped with 31 sermons. So when you open it up and you get to look, here it is. He's got sermon 31 of these throughout the Bible. But he's also taken the time to write in the margins. I'm going somewhere with this, okay? I promise. I've, I'm really going someplace. So when I began to study, a lot of times, especially more mm, technical books, um, books I know can take a lot of study, and um, I've if you've ever been in my office, I've got walls of books. I got a, a ton of, I call them my friends. Uh, and I, I'll go in and I'll start pulling books. And usually the portion that I want to preach, everyone's jumped over. You know, it's like, really? I paid good money for this book and you don't even address the verse that I need for you to address. But these friends, 
have usually addressed it. Okay? So I was preparing for last week's message out of Hebrews chapter 2. And uh, as I did, I uh, went to these books. And uh, when I did, I came across an outline out of uh, Brother Collins's Bible. And I thought, I've got to preach that. So today, rather than moving on from Hebrews 2, 1 through 4, I want to go back and I want to gather this thought. And that thought is, is our great salvation. God is faithful, our great salvation. Hebrews chapter 2, if you found that and you can stand with me in reverence to the reading of the word of God, we'll just read four verses. You can follow along. I'll begin in verse number 1. Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience receive a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him, God also bearing them witness, both with signs and wonders and with divers miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to his own will. And so back to verse number three, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? I want to challenge you today with that thought, so great a salvation. Lord, we love you and we thank you for your goodness and your love to us. We thank you for this time together this morning. I pray, dear God, that you would use me as a conduit, as a funnel, to bring forth those things that I've studied this week, those things that you brought to mind. And Lord, I pray that I would just share uh, my heart with your people, that they would uh, receive manna from you today, that they might be encouraged and strengthened, that those of us who know that we're saved and on our way to heaven might rejoice at the great price that was paid for our salvation. Lord, help us never to come to the point that we take for granted the greatest gift ever given to mankind. And then, Lord, for those that are here that maybe they've never accepted you, maybe this is the first time they hear of this word salvation. Lord, I pray today that the Holy Spirit would have power and freedom to uh, move in their lives and their hearts. And, Lord, might they see their need of this great salvation that Jesus purchased for us there on the cross of Calvary. Have your will in your way in this service. We might bring honor and glory to you. We ask these things in your blessed and most holy name. And all the people said, Amen. You may be seated. So this outline, the, the main points are all from Brother Collins. That's, he just had these uh, points written down. I filled in the gaps. So the first is, when we think of our great salvation, is the tremendous cost. The tremendous cost. Salvation is not cheap. It's not a cheap thing. We're not talking about, you know, going out and buying a pair of shoes. We're not talking about going out and, and buying a shirt or a suit or anything else. We're talking about salvation, the gift of salvation. It was not a cheap purchase. God gave his only son. We know from John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And yet many times we forget the verses surrounding John 3, 16. Verses like verses uh, 14, 15, 17, uh, 18, and 19. 
In verse 14, we read, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, that's an Old Testament reference, where the children of Israel were being bitten by serpents, and Moses was told of God to make a brazen serpent, to put it upon a pole, and all those who would look to the serpent would live, which was a picture of Jesus Christ coming to the cross of Calvary and dying for our sins, and whoever will look to Jesus and trust in him will live forever. Amen? As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Verse number 17 says, For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. And so God is telling us here in these important verses in John chapter 3, especially verse number 18, he that believeth not on him is condemned. And uh, so we're condemned already. We're born into this world in a sinful state. We're born into this world, natural man, in need of a Savior. It's a natural thing for people to sin. It's a natural outcome of their life. And so Jesus came that he might die, that whoever would believe upon him would not be condemned, but that they might be saved. So Jesus was the price that was paid. In Hebrews chapter 10, verses 1 through 18, a rather lengthy portion, but please pay attention and listen. For the law, having a shadow of good things to come, the law being in the Old Testament, and not the very image of the things, can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. For then would they not have ceased to be offered, because that the worshipers once purged should have had no more conscience of sin. But in those sacrifices there is a remembrance again made of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. You understand the Old Testament, the law was set for man to uh, cover their failures, to cover the sins of their life. They would have to bring an offering, a blood offering, and those blood offerings would cover the sin of that time, but that blood would not reach to the sins that were coming. And so every year they would have to remember their sins. Every year they would have to bring a sacrifice. Every year blood had to be shed over and over and over and over again. In 10.6 we read, In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin thou hast no pleasure. Verse number 5, I'm sorry I missed that says, Wherefore, when he cometh in the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body thou hast prepared for me. As Jesus was coming, God said, Look, we're not going down to offer a sacrifice and an offering one time. I'm going to prepare a body. Jesus, you're going to go and you're going to die. You're going to be the sacrifice. You're going to be the sinless lamb of God. You have the perfect blood. You will once and for all pay for the sin of mankind. Verse 7, Then said I, Lo, I come in the volume of the book, it is written of me, to do thy will, O God. 
above when he said, Sacrifice and offerings and burnt offerings and offering for sin, thou wouldest not, neither hast pleasure therein which were offered by the law. Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, that he may establish the second. By the which we were, we were uh, sanctified through the offering of the blood of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest standeth daily ministering and offering, offering oftentimes the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But this man, after that he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God, that being Jesus. From henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool, for by one offering he made perfected forever them that are sanctified. Whereof the Holy Ghost also is witness to us, for after that he had said before, This is the covenant that I will make with you, them after those days, saith the Lord, I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds will I write them. And their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Hallelujah, praise God, my sins are gone. Now where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. I know that it was a quick reading. And I know that we are not going to be able to grasp all that was just read. But it's this. Jesus Christ left the glories of heaven, took on the form of man, went as the sacrifice of God, the perfect sinless lamb of God with the perfect blood of Jesus, goes to the cross of Calvary. He is offered there on our behalf. His life is given that we might live. And the Bible says that when he offered that, he superseded, he replaced the old law. He replaced the old offering system. He superseded that. He was referred to as the second Adam. He comes to replace all that had happened under the law. And now a new covenant is made between man and God. And that covenant is received when we ask Jesus Christ to become our Lord and Savior. When we accept him into our lives, we accept that covenant. And the great thing about this covenant is no longer do we need to bring sacrifices year after year or sin after sin. But once we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and that sacrifice has already been made by Jesus Christ, then every time I sin, I come to God and I confess my sins and he forgives me of my sins as 1 John 1, 9 teaches us. And my sins are forgiven. And here's the clincher and the best part as he closes this chapter is he said that there is no more need for an offering. It's been made. There's one. I'm going to go to heaven by being good. Nope. You missed it. There's one. Oh, I'm going to go to heaven because I gave a lot of money to the church. Thank you for your offerings. You're not going to go to heaven. I went to heaven because I'm a great guy. I went to heaven because I'm good looking. I went to heaven because, well, my daddy was a preacher. My mama, she rocked all the babies in that blessed church all those years. If anyone's ever going to go to heaven, it's going to be me because of my lineage. Nope, 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 nope. One way. God set the way by the giving of his son that supersedes all other ways. And when I sin... I don't have to go. He doesn't have to go back to the cross. It's already been covered once and for all. I come and I confess my sins and it's forgiven and it's washed away. All because of the precious lamb 
of Jesus Christ. God paid for our sin debt with the death of his son. Jesus willingly laid down his life that we might be freed from sin and we might have life everlasting. The second thing for us to consider is the greatest need of the sinner. Our salvation is so great because of the great need of the sinner. Salvation is the greatest need of every sinner. Every sinner needs to be saved. For without salvation, they only have a Christless eternity to look forward to. What does a Christless eternity look like? Uh, No hope. It looks like no lasting happiness. No peace. It looks like fear of death. Wondering of what waits on the other side. I was reading an article this week about a, a drummer that uh, used to play drums for a rock band I used to listen to when I was a kid, uh, when I was unsaved. And it talked about uh, his passing and it said, and he passed to the other side. And it listed a bunch of people that he passed to the other side to be with. And I can say to you today that they're right, there is a other side. This life is not over. We do not just die and go to limbo. We will pass to the other side. We'll either pass to heaven above or or hell below. We are going one of two places. The Bible is quite clear that if we're saved, we're going to heaven. Amen? Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 5, 5, Now he that hath wrought us for the selfsame thing is God, who also hath given unto us the earnest of the Spirit. The down payment has been made. Therefore, we are always confident knowing this, whilst we're at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. I'm, a, I'm absent from the Lord right now because I'm in this body. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Our journey here on this earth needs to be by faith. This is not my home. I'm passing through. Heaven's going to be my eternity. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Wherefore, we labor that whether present or absent, that we may be accepted of him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in this body, according that he had done, whether it is good or bad. So I'm passing through this life right now. This world is not my home. When I die, I'm leaving it all behind. We're not going to hook up a U-Haul and drag all my junk in here. You know what I found out when my mom passed away? Three dumpsters later... All the things she valued had little to no value to her children. And they ended up in landfill. Greatest gift you can give your kids is to sort your junk now. I'm serious. It's a horrible thing to be dealing with the death of a parent and then have to sort through their stuff. If you think your kids want it, why not give it to it now? Give it to them now and see the joy that they can experience. It's like the reason I gave Brother Bush's Bible to my son, Jeremiah. First of all, he pastors the church up there. Second, every time he came into my office, he looked at it longingly. And third, it brought me great joy to know my son's going to enjoy that Bible. I got to enjoy it for a little while. He can enjoy it now forever. And so we need to, we need to realize I'm not living here forever. You know, I don't know how long I've got here. But I know one thing, this is not my home. Heaven is my eternal home. And I need to live with heaven in sight, realizing that that is where I'm going to go. And when I hit the ground and and breath is gone from this body, know I'm where I want to be. 
Heaven is where I long to be. Now, if you die unsaved, you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Your eternity is hell and then the lake of fire. The Bible tells us in Luke chapter 12 and verse number 5, But I will forewarn you whom ye shall fear. Fear him, which after he hath, uh, he hath killed, hath power to cast into hell. Yea, I say unto you, fear him. Luke 16, 23 says, And in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torment, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. In Matthew 10, 28 we read, And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Hell is the first place. It's the first place that people die, they go to. The Bible describes it as a place of weeping, welling, gnashing of teeth. It's so sad, I've been out knocking doors before, and I've asked people this question, so if you were to die right now, where do you think you would go? And I've actually had people tell me, well, I think I'll probably go to hell, but I'll be there with all my friends, and we'll just have a great time. I say, you don't understand the Bible. The Bible says that hell is a place of weeping, welling, gnashing of teeth, and you'll not have time to look up those old friends. If anything, you're just going to listen to them scream and wail in agony and pain. Hell is not a place to be desirous of. It's not a place to be made light of, for it is very real. The Bible goes on to tell us then in Revelations 20, 14 and 15, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. So there's going to come a judgment. At that judgment, death is going to be cast into the lake of fire. I hope I'm there. I want to see it go. I'm so tired of losing friends and loved ones. I'm so tired of standing uh, in empty uh, cemeteries and, and watching a body being lowered into the ground. I'm so glad death is going to be gone. But death is not the only thing that's going to be cast into the lake of fire, for hell itself will be cast into the lake of fire. The final resting place of all those who do not accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Verse 15 of Revelation 20 says, For whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. You know what that tells me? You need to get your name in the book. How do I get my name in the book, preacher? How much does it cost? Not a thing. Not a thing. You don't have to join a church to get your name in the book. You don't have to be baptized to get your name in the book. All you have to do is ask Jesus into your heart. And your name is put in the Lamb's book of life. Another thing to think about with this great salvation is simple terms. Simple terms. I'm a simple man. Okay? I actually had an individual recently kind of ridicule me because uh, he's a real techie guy. And he goes, you know, that was kind of idiotic. You should have done this and this. And I'm like, you realize I could tear your cart totally apart, piece by piece. And if elected to, I could put it back together. So I'm really not an idiot. That's just a realm of stuff that doesn't really interest me. And I've always had a Chuck or a Quig or David Reeves, to go, hey, 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 can you come over here? Can you figure this out? And if that fails, then I just turn to Brother Foster. He knows it all. So, 
But it's all about likes and dislikes, right? But I I do want to be a simple man. I think that the gospel plan is for simple people. That's why the Bible talks about childlike faith. Isn't it great to know? Wouldn't it be horrible if you had to have an IQ of, uh, I don't know, 180 to be able to get saved? Probably leave a lot of us out, huh? It really would. The truth of the matter is, is a simple faith. So that even a child can understand. I love to see children get saved. I love it. I love to see, you know, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. I love to see children get saved. I, I love to see the 5-year-olds and the 6-year-olds and the 7-year-olds and the 8-year-olds. I love to see them in childlike faith, realizing that I'm a sinner and I need Jesus Christ as my Savior. And so it's simple terms. They're simply this. You need to believe that you're a sinner. Romans 3.23, for all of sin come short of the glory of God. You need to realize there's a payment for that sin. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You need to realize that Jesus loves you. I love this. He loves you. Romans 5.8, but God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And then we need to confess our sins. Confess our sins. Romans 10.9.10, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus... And believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. We go on down to verse number 13. It says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Simple, simple terms. Not a big, drawn-out, hairy contract. Simple terms. Another great thing that makes salvation so great is the deliverance it provides. Salvation provides deliverance from sin and its foothold in your life. I've got a good friend, many of you know, Bill Marshall, was a drug addict, lived with a needle in his arm, and just wasted his life, and wasted his life, and wasted his life. And one day he accepted Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. His life didn't about face. Now he stands and preaches the word of God, that people might come to the saving knowledge of Jesus. I'm so thankful that there is hope, no matter what your sin, whether it's alcohol, drug addiction, pornography, it doesn't matter what sin it is, gossip, lying, stealing, cheating, God is there to deliver us from our sins. In 2 Corinthians 1.10, we read, uh, who delivered us from so great a death, and death deliver, in whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. Galatians 1.4, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present world according to the will of God and our Father. 2 Timothy 4.18 says, And the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work and will preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Hebrews 2.15, And deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. You know, there's people who live in fear of death and it holds them in bondage. They're afraid to go out. They're afraid to do this. They're afraid to do that because they're afraid that they might die because they know, well, they don't know what's going to happen when they die. They think that when they die, it's all going to be over. You know that that's when real living starts, when you die. We're going to find that on the other side. We're going to find out. We're getting new bodies. I wonder if I can pick the make and model. I think I'd take one about 6'8", real super slim, you know, 
super athletic like I am now. Uh, you know? I don't know. I don't know. There's a lot of questions what heaven's really going to be like. But I know this. I want to go. I can't wait to go. The promises that I read and study in the Word of God just make me excited when I begin to think about it. In 2 Peter 2.9, the Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust until the day of judgment to be punished. He is a deliverer. The fifth thing, when we think about our great salvation, is its duration. Well, this is so necessary as we live in 2023. We live in 2023. We need to realize the great thing about our salvation is it's forever. It's everlasting. It's eternal life. Man, I don't know about you, you get a little tired of buying something and a year later it's worn out and you've got to buy another one. Uh, I don't know, five, six years ago, my wife's refrigerator, our refrigerator, when it's not just my wife's refrigerator, I, I have stuff in there too. A little corner is mine. Yeah. Our refrigerator went out. So I went up to uh, Nebraska Furniture Mart. I said, I'm here looking for a refrigerator. They go, oh, yes, sir, we have uh, some good refrigerators right here. We have an LG. I said, I had an LG. It's only lasted eight years. I don't want another one. He said, you got eight years of an LG? <laughs> and I said, yes, sir, I did. He goes, you know, we build these to last four to five years. That's what the salesman told me. I bought a Samsung. Yep, I'm on a Samsung now. Uh, and we've had it five years. It's lasted five years. Hey, when my wife and I got married, we inherited a refrigerator from my mom and dad. It was like the beast. It was a monster refrigerator. It was like this much taller than me and like this wide. It was ugly white paint. You know, you couldn't get the thing to die. It would not die. We moved it down to Springfield, Missouri. We moved it to Topeka, Kansas. We moved it to Liberal. We moved it back to Topeka. We moved it here. We said, it's time for it to die. We cut its life and let it go. It was still alive. It wouldn't die. And now you go buy, oh, by the way, they probably paid four or $500 for that thing when they bought it new. I bet it lasted at least 25 years in our family. And now you go and you pay thousands of dollars and you may get four or five years. Man, I'm glad my salvation is settled forever. I could die today. I could, I could die 30 years from now. I could develop dementia where I forget everybody and everything. I, I don't want to. I could forget everybody and everything. But it's okay because I'm still going to heaven. I may not remember it in this weak body and this weak frame, but I know I settled it. I know I'm taken care of. I could die instantaneously in a car wreck. I'm going to heaven. It does not matter. It's settled forever. We have everlasting life. Let me just give you a few verses, because some of you act like you may be asleep about it. In Daniel chapter 12, and verse number 2, And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. That's a great verse. I've just... 
You know how you read your Bible over and over and over and over, and then one time you read it and it stands out? That's what happened with that verse. Matthew 18, 8, Wherefore, if thy hand or thy foot offend thee, cut it off and cast it from thee. It is better for thee to enter into life halt and maim, rather than having two hands or two feet to be cast into everlasting fire. John three thirty six. For he that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. John six twenty seven. Labor not for meat which perisheth. That's this world and, and 401ks and all that junk. But for the meat which endureth unto everlasting life. Brother Tom touched on that when he prayed today. Touched for everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you. For him hath God the Father sealed. In 1 Timothy 1.16, Howbeit for this cause I obtain mercy, that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all longsuffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. Salvation does not wear out. It doesn't go out of style. It doesn't need an update or an upgrade. It is settled. The sixth thing is the, when we talk about our great salvation, is it's universal in its scope. Salvation is for all mankind. Some religious groups today would say, well, it's for a few elect few, and God knows who those are. Uh, I don't think that's the way God operates. If he did, then he needs to go back and rewrite a major part of the Bible, like all the whosoever verses. John 3.15, that whosoever believed in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And John 4.13, Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall never thirst again, referring to himself. In Acts 2.21, and it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Acts 10.43, to him giveth all the prophets witness, and through his name, whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sin. Romans 10.13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. In 2 Peter 3.9, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is longsuffering to us were not willing that any should perish. God's not willing that any should perish, but that all might come to repentance. The Bible is full of whosoever will. Our responsibility is to go into the entire world taking the good news of Jesus Christ. Finally today, the effects of our great salvation. The effects of our great salvation. First of all, there's a change. I'm so thankful for the change in my life. I don't know that you would have liked the old Kevin Metzinger. I don't think I liked him very much. Very proud, arrogant, full of myself. Second Corinthians, and I've, I'm still battle that. That's still something that pops its ugly head up from time to time. I have to squelch it and put it back down. But I'm telling you, the old Kevin Metzinger just reigned predominant in my life. Second Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Hallelujah. Old things passed away, and behold, all things are become new. 
What a great promise from God. I no longer have to live in sin. I no longer have to get my joy and happiness from sinful activity. My joy and happiness is found in the fact that I'm saved and on my way to heaven. It's found in Jesus Christ, in Him alone. It's found in the fellowship with other believers. I don't have to hit the bars on Friday night or Saturday night. I don't have to have a bottle at the house to kind of ease the pain. It was all taken care of when Jesus moved into my life. The second thing he does is he brings peace. He brings peace. Have you ever thought of the value of peace? I know we have young people in here. We have 20s and 30s in here. And, and thinking about peace, you just kind of fluff it off. But I'm telling you, when you get to be 50 and 60, you begin to realize the importance of words like peace. I don't like to fight my wife anymore. I want peace. That doesn't mean she always gets her way. It just means that, uh, well, you know, getting older, you tend to forget too. So that makes, that makes it a little easier, doesn't it, honey? I like peace. I like to live peaceably with all mankind. I don't care if you're lost or you're saved. There's no reason for me to get all bent up. I understand that while I was gone to Oklahoma City that someone died as a road rage incident. So sad. So sad we, we as humans cannot learn to control ourselves. And that We have to be right to the point that we're hateful and mean. Uh, Second Timothy or Second Thessalonians one two, grace unto you and peace. Second Thessalonians three sixteen. Now the Lord of peace himself give you peace always by all means. I got thinking how many times I've read through the Bible and the introductory salutation that Paul writes. Many times he talks about grace and peace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace, grace and peace, grace and peace. So it's not an abstract thing for the Christian to possess peace. Matter of fact, it ought to be a part of our life. It ought to be a part of our life. Peace ought to be a part of of what we do. It ought to be a part of the way we treat people and react to people. And once we grasp the idea of really having peace in our life, it makes life more Peaceable. I told you I'm a simple guy. It brings peace. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, Romans 5.1. The third thing that our great salvation brings is satisfaction. Satisfaction. Great satisfaction comes by having Christ as our Savior. To know that our sins are forgiven forever and heaven is our eternal home brings great satisfaction. Satisfaction. I want to be satisfied with what God gives me and what He does in my life until such time as I go home. I want to have that change that came into my life. I want to have peace in my life. And I want to have satisfaction with all that God does for me. Thankfully, it comes as a part of our great salvation. Lord Jesus, I love you today, and I thank you for the truth of your word. I know that it is 
truthful and is important for us as children of God to recognize the importance of our great salvation was purchased at a great price. Jesus giving his own life's blood there upon the cross of Calvary as a sacrifice for our sins. God, thank you for it. I pray that those who are here today that are saved, that they recognize that great sacrifice that was made, that they're thankful for it. They appreciate it. They tell you often, God, thank you for loving me while I was yet unlovable. Thank you for the great gift of salvation that I was able to receive. God, thank you for my great salvation. But God, I pray that we wouldn't be satisfied with just possessing that great salvation. But dear Lord, that you might help us to share the greatest gift we've ever received with the lost world around us. Help us to point others to Christ. Help us to point to others their need of a Savior. Help us to realize that our time here on this earth is short and that there are others that are seeking that that we already possess. God, help us to share Jesus with others. Take this invitation. Use it for your glory. We love you. We ask these things in your wonderful and most precious name. All the people said, let's stand. Brother Foster is going to lead us uh, in I'll Live for Him. Him 317, if God spoke to your heart, encourage you to come, whatever you need, Brother Foster. My life, my love, I give to thee, how Lamb of God who died for me. Oh, may I ever faithful be, my Savior conference that uh, we were able to go to. We saw some great things done for the Lord's work there. Um, Brother Chuck's going to preach to us and uh, we're just going to have a good time this afternoon.